0: Hello, and welcome to Ground Control Parenting, a blog and now a podcast created for parents raising black and brown children. I'm the creator and your host, Carol Sutton Lewis. In this podcast series, I talk with some really interesting people about the job and the joy of parenting. Today, I am thrilled to welcome my friend, the amazing Jody Patterson to Ground Control Parenting. <laughs> Jody is an author, a mother of five, and an LGBTQAI advocate. And for those of you, um, everyone should know, but that stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, asexual, intersex. She's an advocate who's been recognized for her activism by a host of people and institutions, including Hillary Clinton, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, and many magazines and lots of other outlets. She speaks nationally and internationally on a variety of topics, including identity, parenting, and gender. And she chairs the board of the Human Rights Campaign Foundation. She is the author of the amazing book, The Bold World, which is a memoir of family and transformation, and Born Ready, the true story of a boy named Penelope, a children's picture book about identity and acceptance in which she shares the story of her transgender son's experience. Welcome to Ground Control Parenting, Jody.
1: Carol, I am so happy to be here. And I have to say, I loved your intro um, (laughs) with some of the background that not everyone has, like LGBTQAI+. Oh, plus. Sorry. Yeah, we put a plus in there sometimes. Um, and that's a mouthful. And I'm glad that you went through that for us. Thank you.
0: Well, I you are so welcome. And I must confess that I practiced a little because I hear it so often, it trips off people's tongues. I say it so smoothly. And it took
1: me a minute, but
0: <laughs> I'm glad it worked.
1: <laughs> I think so, that, that approach makes sense. And in fact, I don't want to jump ahead. But when you said, said that, that you practice in front of the mirror, I did that for, for a good year um, in my <laughs> own family. You see, yeah. stood in the mirror and I practiced language and words and acronyms um, just yeah. to kind of connect everything, the heart and the mouth and the mind. You know, I, I wanna get to that, but since we're talking
0: about it, I will start right there. I love that you talked about that in your book in that um, for those of us who do not have this experience in our household very close to us, um, there is this sense of, oh my gosh, I'm going to get it wrong. And because many of parents of transgender children get it right. I mean, they just, it's it's how they are. It's their language. And so it was really heartening to read that you did practice and, you know, you, you, it was work (laughs) and you had to
1: put in the hours. I mean, it is, I think, you know, when we're, by the time we're 50, 40, 50, 60, so much of life is um, automatic for us. Mm -hmm. We're pretty secure in almost everything in many of the things that we do. And so many of the things we do with a blind eye, we push a button, we buy a ticket, we travel the world, you know, mm-hmm. we close our eyes. We hop on the subway. Somehow we make it to work. We make dinner. We argue with our children and our coworkers. And we come out of it unscathed for the most part because we have a set of responses mm-hmm. that um, have been played out time and time again. But when you stumble upon something, and this always happens in life. That you're when you stumble upon something you're not prepared for. I call the I call them sinkholes. Um, <laughs> you drop so deep, you get turned upside down, and you don't have the language, the response, or the skill set, right? Mm-hmm. you Believe to get you out of it. Um, and what ends up happening is you embarrass yourself, you say the wrong things, you panic, but there is a solution to getting out of a sinkhole and it is practicing new muscles and using new language. And that takes practice because we don't, you know, so much of what we do is practice. We just don't assume it is, it's just 50 years of practice. And mm-hmm. then something new happens and you got to practice it. And so I stood in front of the mirror. I was struggling with the language around, um, for my son. I thought this child was a girl. I found out, um, a really difficult process and i don't want to skip over it but i want to get to this point and then we can backtrack Mm -hmm. when i understood my child to be a boy the language that i've been using on that child was no longer valid and so i had to Mm -hmm. stand in front of the mirror and say penelope he penelope he (laughs) he." and because everything else was just not it wasn't rolling off my tongue and so i practiced so that uh, i could i could build up the muscle and then when I made a mistake in front of Penelope, my son, I would say, I'm so sorry I made the mistake. I know mm-hmm. you're a boy. I just have to catch my tongue up to my heart. Mm-hmm. And I still make that mistake 10 years later sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it is it's it is a part of the, the human conditioning that we've gone through for much of our lives. But, you know, that is to say we should not be nervous to learn in this process. And learning takes m- making the mistake and then growing from that mistake. Um, there's mm-hmm. growth out of this post-traumatic growth. <laughs> and, you know, we just have to to uh, understand that even as adults, there are things to be learned. Even as adults, there are things that we do not know and embrace it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just
0: making the space, I, I so appreciate that story, thinking of you standing in front of the mirror, practicing, and we all have to just give ourselves a little space. And it's, it's the grace and the space that, that, you know, you don't think of it as learning a new language, but in fact it is. And it takes time and it takes practice. And, and it, takes, it takes, most importantly, the desire to do that. And we all must adopt it as a new language, just like we, we, we it's, in the, it's a
1: language in the world that we live. We, are, we have to learn a new language, so. And you're right I, about like, wh- having a need for it, like an urgency for me. The urgency for me as a mother was to understand my child. Mm-hmm. And I'm growing, building a city of children, right? I have five different kids with very different truths. And I was so I'm trying to build this city of children. And I had a trans child, so I, I was urgently trying to understand it. But if you are a, um, an executive leading a team of diverse employees, you might also need to learn a new language. Or if you're mm-hmm. running an, an institution like Spelman College, or if you um, are head of a movement like the LGBTQAI movement, that, those letters keep adding on. So there's yeah. always a need for us. Anyone who's organizing a team of people, there's always a need for us to um, change our language to match the times.
0: Absolutely. So you've touched already on so many things that I want to go back on. Um, I, I want to talk about Parenting Pinnell, and as, as he is known now, um, I'm going to keep referring to your book because first I have to say before I say anything else that Jody, you know, I've known you, I've loved talking to you and listening to you. I know that parenting is your passion, but it took reading your book to really, um, my admiration for you just grew exponentially because you write with such insight, such thoughtfulness and such care. Each time I would get to it, and I should say this is not, the story is bigger, much bigger than your experience with your son. It is your life and sort of your approach. And every time, this is what really impressed me. Every time I got to a point in the reading, where you would do something that I wouldn't, I might not necessarily agree with, or I wouldn't understand, or I'd say, huh, um, you in the next paragraph would say, I know that this might look like this, but you know, this is how I felt. It's almost as if we were having a conversation. <laughs> and so I, I really appreciate that. But but the, but and in, and in talking about this book as being a, about a very important story with your son, but also about pivoting the concept of parenting pivots. And I've always talked about the importance of having that pivoting muscle just as a parent, no matter what you encounter, because we all come with such really defined, whether we know them or not, perspectives on how we're parenting. And then something happens where you really just have to go left or right, or you know, you go. And what was impressive about your talking about your pivoting, while the principal focus when you're pivoting with your child has to be the child, but you gave yourself room. I mean, you you talk a lot about the room you gave yourself and the toughness of it. So so what were some of the, your keys in figuring out how to move from from panic only in that panic in the sense of I don't know what I'm supposed to do to sort
1: of pivot and figure it out? Yeah, I think thank you for noticing the pivots because that to me is um, is the key to life. and and as we've seen you know, during the pandemic, being able to pivot and to shift and to have flexibility serves us well mm-hmm. in times of crisis, right? I mean, hopefully, we'll keep those that flexibility alive when we're not in crisis, so that the muscle of flexibility that doesn't get weak. I think I decided to pivot when the original way no longer worked. I mean, I have mm-hmm. to say, like, I, I might have, I might look today very evolved, very progressive. Um, maybe a little wacky to some who don't understand my type of parenting, but it didn't just happen quickly. And it wasn't raised necessarily to understand transgender identities. But I, so as I was parenting uh, for the first several years, even the first decade, uh, I was very much into, you know, men, the husband does one thing, women, the wife does another thing, Girls do one thing, boys do another. Mm-hmm. And not, I'm not, a, I wasn't an old fashioned parent, but w- looking back, I was resorting to the Mars versus Venus approach to life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I was stumbling and fumbling with this one child for a very long time. Penelsea, Penelope at the time seemed um, disruptive, didn't want to be close to mama, didn't want mama to snuggle, was always crying, had nightmares, was a bully to sister and brothers was a bully to friends. And I was pushing my own narrative. I was pushing I was doubling down in the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. And nothing was working. So so when you ask like why did you pivot? Literally because I was failing as a parent. Mm-hmm. And so but years for you know for for mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. and and then for two and almost 3 years with penalty, I was failing in many ways as a parent. I don't think we change until we're no longer able to do what we've been doing, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the rules and the regulations were no longer serving this child. And I remember being slammed up against the understanding that if I, that what was happening was not working for Panel. Pinnell said, mama, I don't want tomorrow to come.
0: Mm.
1: That, that inclination that Panel was, that this child was no longer wanting life. Mm-hmm. I don't want mm-hmm. tomorrow to come was the determining factor for me. And I remember Mm -hmm. saying, Carol, I said out loud, there will be no death on my watch. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then I shifted because I, and I wasn't shifting to anything in particular. I was like, all bets are off. I'll take anything to keep my kid (laughs) alive. really, I'll take anything. And so shifting the language was like the least I could do. It was a a joy to understand that if I just said he instead of she, Mm -hmm. this child wanted to live. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, I'm so glad you said that word because that segues so nicely into my next mm-hmm. question, joy. So what I know about you sort of as a person is that you are infused with joy and you're joy seeking. And the joy that is in you, a lot of it is directed towards the concept of parenting. I mean, you talk about how being pregnant with your first daughter was just joyful. I mean, it was thrilling and you felt connected to her both before she was born and then afterwards in ways that were so fulfilling and so important. And I've talked with some previous podcast guests about the joy of parenting. And I found it was more joyful to me as a concept than I thought it would be. I mean, I knew I'd like my children. I knew. And and I love that you said that. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I figured it would be fine, but I was surprised at the degree to which I truly, um, felt good about being with them and pouring stuff into them or having them pour stuff into me. I say all this to say that you were able to pivot because you felt like you were failing as a parent. Um, I wonder whether some parents who would be very frustrated wouldn't necessarily see it as their own fail. And I think when you when you look at parenting as a joyful thing, if you're not, if you're not feeling the joy, <laughs> you know there's something wrong. So I mean, do you think that joy and parenting, is it, is it innate or can it be learned? And if it, if it is not innate, I mean, how would you suggest people sort of think about
1: bringing joy into how they view parenting? I think the first is such a great question. A lot of parents I know are not joyful these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine that that is not just true to this time, but that there have been all throughout time where parents have not experienced joy throughout the process of parenting. But I want to, and I want to look at that. I want to stick to, I want to talk about mothering because it's what I know best Mm -hmm. um, as a mother of five Mm -hmm. um, and also being raised by great mothers. I, a lot of this conversation I um, codify into mothering. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if we, if we look at what mothering has represented and the definition of the, the current definition of mothering, I think a lot of, People would not find joy in it. Mm. The current definition of mothering is um, task mastering during the day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, assisting others without recognition throughout <laughs> the day, um, being the 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 computer system for all of these people and their activities, right? Mm -hmm. having all the answers to best friends and schedules and doctors and school applications. And so those things are important, but those logistics are not to me fundamentally what mothering is. It's just what the adults collectively do. Mm -hmm. But I want to redefine mothering. And I think we'll find a lot more joy in that process once we redefine it as leadership. Mm. And for me, when you talk about mothering, you're talking about the intentional building of people one person Mm -hmm. that you've birthed or people that you have not birthed that are in your community or an office, anywhere that people are dwelling together to me in some sense is a family and that leader is the mother um, Mm -hmm. because it's an intentional building up of people Mm
0: -hmm.
1: with a certain set of values. Right. And so I think it is time to start redefining mothering in that sense. We will redefine parenting And in that sense, we will find joy in a process that has been totally bastardized, I think. Mm -hmm. I know we're going off topic, but like when I was thinking of Pinnell, I actually had to, when I had to figure out how to raise my son who was transgender, I actually had to stop a lot of the taskmastering I was doing as a mom. I didn't have time to do all of it. So one day I literally, this is funny, I literally pretended I could not cook anymore. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't do it. I was overwhelmed. I didn't know. And my, guess what? Dad started cooking every day. He's never stopped. The father of Pannell is now a, a, a devoted chef and cooks lots of meals and go, has gone into his African heritage and you know builds delicious meals. But I had to stop doing some of the um, task mastering so that I could puzzle out
0: mm-hmm. the deeper
1: meaning of what Pinnell was trying to teach me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you ask about joy. I think who would be joyful to have the job of what we've said is mothering? Like, it's just not a joy. It is the, sometimes I feel like it's the bottom of the bottom, but that is not the true meaning of, of mothering. The true mm-hmm. meaning is something that is powerful and it is joyful. And I hope that we get a chance to experience it um, as people not only is it rewarding to the society, true mothering, but to the individual who is mothering.
0: Absolutely. Uh, there is so much to un- unpack there. And, and I know that this is a topic that is near and dear to you and you will be unpacking it. Yeah. What I what I like about this, what makes me feel very good about this perception of motherhood is leadership. And, and mothering is not a female um, uh, only Thing in a world where there is no female in the household in terms of the parents, someone takes on that building the community that 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 sort of ability to put themselves to step outside of their own selves um, and and consider everyone else. I mean, there's that personality, there's that brand of leadership, and and it's not gender specific, but but. I agree when we stop looking at the the very the task oriented mother things that of course people appreciate for sure and you get kudos you know kudos when you do it right and yeah, the, the exactly. castigation when when you get it wrong yeah. with with no training no skill set training but anyway you're you're thrust into the role which is why I think joy is so important because Something else has to motivate you because you're not being motivated by a societal perspective at this point, the way we're now viewing it. <laughs> so something else has to motivate you. And I agree that if we can look at it as um, a powerful skill set that leads to the building of a community versus the person that is charged with taking care of everyone. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but that it's just a different it's a different model, it's a different approach. I do think that the joy joy, and a sense of accomplishment and a sense of I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which, you know, it's hard to find women that in this day and age will say, I'm a mother, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like, I'm a mother, <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing that, of course, and then I'm then there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. In any event, I I really, I I love that broadening of the definition. And, and it makes all the sense in the world to me. And I hope that listeners will think about that the next time you
1: sort of fall into, we all have the, you know, we got to do the task stuff. But. I mean, I have become so good at the tasks. Mm-hmm. It's part of, it's one of the skill sets that, that I, you know, that I have mastered and I am maybe naturally good at organizational skills. And so most of the time the kids are coming to me for many of the, the to-dos. Mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily see that as mothering at this point. So if I mm-hmm. tell them, I can't do it today. I don't feel badly as a mom. If I check it off my list and I've accomplished it, I actually don't check it off. It doesn't accomplish me as a mother. I just know that I bring that skill set, and I'm I'm always trying to encourage their father to take on some of the task mastering. So -hmm. I'm not denying that it has to get done. I'm not denying that um, these are necessities when raising children and raising people, but I don't include it in how I rate my mothering. And so there are many parts of the day when I literally, like you said, have to pull back. I love what you said about considering others. Mm -hmm. So I have to pull back. I have to get above the energy, above the tasks, um, and and puzzle out the meaning of all these people that I'm considering, myself included, the you know the the Jody included, Mm -hmm. and that is another process. And I actually enjoy that because it plays into. Politics, sociology, um, diversity, um, and inclusion. It plays into gender and identity. All the big topics that I really enjoy Mm -hmm. as an academic, Mm -hmm. I get to consider them when I am mothering. It's not just has the groceries, you know, have the groceries, (laughs) which I don't want to know about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. And I love that it gets to the point the goal is no guilt because that's a really important you, the joy part comes when you don't get burdened by the guilt part and to the extent that you're not you're not judging yourself and then this i am this this season i'm really focused on parenting wellness and feeling good about who we are and what we're doing if we're not judging ourselves for our abilities to complete these tasks and shifting it to how are we building this community? How are we engaging our children with one another? How are we making time for ourselves? I mean, that, that's the part that I think builds the joy. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the show. So I have a question mentioned five kids, which I'm still sort of so impressed by. I mean, really five and and, and you and clearly your spirit would welcome more. I mean, you're you're definitely, your community, the spirit,
1: is- not the body, nor the bank account. Right? <laughs> but, <laughs> my eating, my, yeah. But yes, my, my spirit <laughs> would welcome more. For yes.
0: Sure. But, and you talked in your book about how you, um, manage, you encourage your children to talk with each other. And I should also say that you've got a blended family, which mm-hmm. you, you, Guide with such a steady and sure hand, and parents everywhere aren't easily as able to do that. But one of the things you talk about in the book that you do is you you kind of you you encourage them to talk about challenging topics. You lab it out, and I want you to talk about that. But also, you've also talked about how all your kids aren't on the same page. I mean, sort of philosophically, and sort of how you how you manage
1: that. It's tough. So you know, the lab is a is a parenting technique that I've developed. That is sort of subversive parenting, um, which I thought, you know, just that alone is interesting to me. But, you know, so if I have I have five children and they come from two marriages that I've been in mm-hmm. and one child is adopted. So we really have a vet, like really wildly different children in my family. We speak TWI from from Ghana. We speak Swiss German. Um, we speak French. We speak English. Uh, we are Black American, Swiss, Vietnamese, African, I mean, some of us are atheists, some of us have deep faith. We are transgender, cisgender, straight, a lot of diversity mm-hmm. in one family. And so you one might think that we all agree on this very um, emotional topic of gender, but we don't. So I have a son who is trans and I have another son who does not believe in trans identities,
0: Hmm.
1: He does not know that they are scientifically proven. And he is not a quiet kid. So my children are loudmouthed. I've raised them to be talkative um, and opinionated. So to play this out for you so you get a a visual and understanding of it, we have, anytime we have a big disagreement on a topic like gender or who gets mm-hmm. the front seat in the car, because <laughs> right? these things get heated with five kids. Mm-hmm. So you sit on the floor and there's a proverbial microphone that gets passed around and whoever has the microphone can speak their truth. You can't interrupt. So the scientist will say, um, look, Pennell, I respect you. I will always use the right pronouns. I think you can do anything in the world you wanna do That's not related to gender. But what we have to be mindful of is the science behind people. And there's a science behind you. And you're scientifically a girl and physiologically a girl and biologically a girl, um, female. And so we just have to be grounded in the science. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so he's 15. For me, it's hard to hear because I know there's science to prove, gender diversity. For Mm Penel, it's hard to hear because he himself is trans. So Penel takes his turn and says into the microphone, look, it's not about science. Uh, I'm here. I've proven it. It's not an opinion. Trans people <laughs> exist, period, end of story. And this is how God has made me. And then the scientist says, well, God's not proven either. So we we have to take off all of these you know, irrational conversations around God and transgender and stick to science. I, and I give you that, that, that uh, description because in the past 10 years, these two children have never gotten closer in agreeing. They've Mm -hmm. always been and they've remained at the opposite ends of the conversation. And at the end of an hour of talking about this, they always say, this is so boring. Let's just go play basketball. This is so boring. Let's just go have some dinner. You know, and it's this idea that if you talk out big, scary ideas, at some point they become no big deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't have to agree. In fact, we live together, we eat dinner together, we play basketball together, and we have conflicting opinions, conflicting truths, conflicting identities. The point for me is to be in disagreement with decorum and to be in close proximity with our diversity, period. Mm-hmm. That's to me, I'm, I'm, I'm building a little city of people. Um, I'm not throwing anyone out.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and what an incredible model to... Um be able to uh, scale up because yep. fundamentally, you know, you talked earlier about, when you get to a certain age, it's very hard for you to adapt to new things. Our brains don't adapt that quickly. So the expectation that everyone is going to fall into the same page quickly is is not a realistic one. You're seeing a little microcosm of that at home. But if, if at the end of the day, really, you can get past it. I mean, you are expanding both of their worlds in, the, in a way that is important because they're each going to, as they go out into the world, encounter people like the other. Yep. And the more they are accustomed to, to, I mean, the more they can see them beyond whatever the words they're saying, I mean, they can see be, that there's a person beyond that opinion. I mean, that's golden. So, yeah, that's, that's, that you, is.
1: You would think that like the conversation that the politicians are having around trans identified mm-hmm. people would just, mm-hmm shake me to my core. There are laws that are anti-trans, there are laws that prohibit, if if if, if they go into effect, laws that will prohibit um, medical attention and education and housing, and um, they will change my child's life for the worse. You would think that that kind of political backdrop would consume me.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It does not. Mm.
1: I can spend time lobbying. I can spend time trying to to, um, change the laws for the better. But I also don't get so distracted because I understand I'm I'm centered. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to get my kids to be centered. So Pennell does not get rattled by his brother saying trans lives don't exist. (laughs) He knows that they exist. And he goes on about his life. And my science son does not get rattled by a person who he feels... Doesn't fit into his equation. His Mm -hmm, own brother. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He just goes on. So I think we have we're building a um, tolerance for people that might be the -hmm. the least thing we're doing. We're building a joy around understanding people who are different, and we're building a family that has close proximity to each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key to have close proximity to one another, so that we don't fight, kill, um, vote against each other. Right. No, absolutely.
0: I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question again. You're so brilliantly segueing into them. And, and you talked about being centered. And my question is about balance, because um, what comes what comes out, as I said earlier, about knowing you as a person, but also what comes out so clearly in your writing is that um, you are one who seeks balance. You talk about um, having taking on a lot, too much in, in, in various points in life, as you start to accommodate your own needs and your family's needs, and then having to sort of, in some instances, literally remove yourself to sort of seek a point where you could get back into the right frame of mind and, and have a better perspective. So, for all the parents out there who understand these days how difficult it balance is, how how do you, would you think of, how would you advise people to seek it in a world that's kind of built on a slant? I mean, the build, you know, there's no, <laughs> you can't really, it's not like you can stand up straight and, and is balance the proper goal? I mean, is that, is that maybe, is that not what we're supposed to be looking for?
1: Well, you know, I, it's such a loaded word, right? Balance. Usually it's asked of moms, how do you balance a career in your home life or asked of women? How do you balance? Um, I rarely here been talking about balance. maybe they should be talking about it more. I don't know, but it is a loaded word. Um, I would say that the way I am able to do the long marathon that it takes with my children and with myself and with life is that I don't do one thing. Mm. And that might sound like you're making it harder. <laughs> you're, you're you know adding on to a very busy life, but I actually try to um, not parent not mother, not wife, Mm -hmm. not girlfriend, at certain moments of the month. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean, some people say like, I need a spa day or I need, you know, um, some beauty and wellness moments, but I actually take it a step further and I go off grid. Um, I untether, as I call it, from Mm -hmm. most of the things that I really love. So it's easy to untether from, from crap, but I'm talking about untethering from the things that define you, that you love. So I untether from my children. They go to their dad's house for a month now that they're older. Oh. I untether from um, boyfriends. And when I've been in relationships, I spend a lot of time by myself. I untether from habits. So normally I need to do everything like super precise, but there's some moments when even in my yoga, I'm intentionally doing it mediocre. I don't finish a book. To me, that's like radical. I'm like, I need to finish it. I need to n- make notes. I need to turn it into something even better. Sometimes I'll just skim through a book and be haphazard with things. For me, this creates a sense of calm and a balance in me because some mm-hmm. moments I am intensely leading in a team and some mm-hmm. moments I am fiercely independent and free. I don't think that women have enough experience with freedom because of everything that we are attached to, our children, our families, our morals, right, our obligations, Mm -hmm. but we have to make time to be free, not to pamper Mm -hmm. in the mirror, but to be free. And that means not anything penetrates, not even the good stuff. (laughs) I found that to be valuable.
0: Oh, that resonates so strongly, particularly being untethered from the great stuff too. I mean, because as you say, it's easy to sort of step away to the spa to sort of, you know, relax, but to just give yourself the permission to be free of all um, habits, restrictions, Mm -hmm. um, expectations. I mean, that's where, that's actually where Joy comes from. I mean, that's where creativity comes from. I mean, you really need to be able to. That, you got to get clear. <laughs> you know, there's no. There's. There's a. It's. It's so hard. I. I know these days, particularly, it's hard for parents to even focus on that. But maybe you can just get untethered for a half a day. I mean, maybe <laughs> it just.
1: It is. It, you know. I think it's as simple as that. Sometimes, and I, you know, I've done it because I. I, I learned untethering through divorce. Mm-hmm. You
0: know
1: which was like, it just sort of yanked things away from me. Every time my kids would leave to go to their dad's house, I was forced to be untethered. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that there's a muscle that actually, when you work it intentionally, it's a good thing. So it does feel weird to untether from the things you love. But Mm -hmm. once you do it after a while, there's a science and I can't describe it scientifically, but I'll tell you, you become more creative. You become, um, you find resources within yourself that you didn't know were there. You also are better at problem solving because you have a different mm. perspective. So mm-hmm. when you reattach to the things you love, you always go back.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You're a better parent, better, you know, co-worker, better fill in the blank because you've experienced that freedom. Um, I, I'm sure there's science behind it, but I don't know what the science is.
0: <laughs> I mean, in essence, you have just described the arc of parenting, what you would hope for. I mean, over time, the goal in the parenting is to become untethered to your children. I mean, you want to... You're, you want them to leave and you want to, if they, if, you know, if, if, if there's divorce and they're young and they get taken away, I mean, there's an there's a, the abrupt untethering. But over time, it's important that as they get older, I mean, I've got, you know, my kids are all in their 20s. The, the untethering is an important it's an important muscle to be able to have. Both for their sake and for your sake, so it, it is it's actually you know another reason to sort of think about this as something one should do is because there'll come a point when they will be gone. I mean, you you for, for respect to your children, you know, you're gonna have to readjust to an untethered world, a world where you're not so tethered to them, and it's good practice actually. So so yeah, that that is incredibly valuable. <laughs> I, I really really valuable advice. So, Jody, I, of course, could talk to you forever, <laughs> always. And I so love talking to you. And there, there are so many other, we'll have to do a part two because there's so many other questions. Oh, oh, and this is an important one, which I will include in this. Tell me, uh, tell us all about the origins of your children's book. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've read it. It's glorious. It, it's adorable. <laughs> and and how, it, how it came to be.
1: So I wrote my first book, which is called The Bold World, and that was really my story as a woman um, unlearning and then relearning gender and identity for my mm-hmm. child and then for my children and then for myself. And that story as an adult who shifted was full of lots of twists and turns and it was sad and it was you know, disruptive. And parents kept saying, "I can't wait to read your memoir to my five-year-old child." And I said, "No, no, 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 no definitely not for the 5 year Um, And so I wanted to—I wanted to put out a body of work that uh, was for the entire family, from mm-hmm. as you know, as young as we start thinking, you know, toddler age, all the way up. Um, and so I wrote it with my children. So the children's book is written with my children. It's their voices. It's the memories that stood out for them. Um, They helped me with language, with um, capturing moments that were important to them. And there was no fear in their story. They Mm. did not feel um, sad about gender. They didn't feel confused about it. They um, mostly focused on joyful moments. And the best thing I think about this story is that Penelope, a Black trans boy, is the main character. And at the end, he wins the gold medal. I mm-hmm. <laughs> mean, that was revolutionary because most stories around trans identities are crafted in a tragic, right. sad way. Um, right. so the, 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 the Born Ready, true story mm-hmm. of a boy named Penelope, is my children's perception of how we shifted for the ones or the person that we love. Yeah,
0: no, it, it's it's a wonderful story. So I'm, I'm going to wrap up now. We've had the bonus round before. Now we're doing the lightning round. And I saw so there are four quick things. One is your favorite poem or saying. I'll tell you them all and then we'll start. Your favorite poem and, or saying. Your favorite two children's books. And I think I know what one of them will be. <laughs> and a moment when you questioned your parenting skills and a moment when you knew you had this mother stuff down. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Um... There's okay. a, I love those questions. The poem that really stands out to me recently, and, I, and I'm a writer and I'm a reader, so I have thousands of pages of quotes that I've captured over the years. But something that I've been going to uh, recently is a quote from Toni Morrison that says, essentially, it is not possible to constantly hone on the crisis. You have to have the love and mm. the magic because that too is life. That's great. Yeah. And,
0: and words to seriously
1: live by these days. <laughs> not stay in the crisis, no. <laughs> okay, so that was my poem, um, children's books. So one is my children's book that I wrote with my children called mm-hmm. um, Born Ready, the true story of a boy named Penelope. And there is another children's book. It's Alice Walker's children's book. Sweet people are everywhere. By ah. Alice Walker. And so I, you know, Alice Walker is someone who I've respected as a writer. Um, she actually gave a beautiful review of my memoir. She, she did. Yeah. And so sweet people are everywhere. I think it's, again, trying to find the joy, insisting on finding the joy, getting out of the crisis. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And then what was the other question? The moment
0: there? that you questioned your parenting skills, just like one moment where you're like, huh? Am, am I am I doing this right? I mean,
1: I can guess, but... <laughs> well, I'll give you... I mean, there's so many of the times, so many times, but I'll tell you something that's funny and not so funny. When my um, preteen said to me, you see, mom, this is why you can't keep a man. Oof. Oh. <laughs> I was like, "What does this kid know?" (laughs) But you know, and and children will say things that will stop you in your tracks, and you hate them for it. Mm -hmm. And then you you know, it sits on you, and you may it makes you question yourself. And so I did question for a minute why I had been divorced twice. Mm -hmm. My child was the only person that made me question why I had been divorced twice. And after I sat with it, I determined because they no longer needed to be with me in my presence. So ah, did, there you go. my son made me question for a second. It might be something wrong here as a woman if I have not stayed in a marriage past fourteen year mark. So that was one re- one time I, I questioned my parenting. Had I raised rude children, and had I uh, been a woman who uh, was getting in her own way of success? Um, and, and then if I had to pick a, a moment when I did something really good.
0: Yeah, well, you well you knew you had this mother stuff down, whether or not it actually lasted, but you knew in the moment you had done that moment that you had done the right thing.
1: Two times really stand out. One, um, my, my 21-year-old daughter called me up after a few years of ups and downs. And she called me in the middle of the day and said, Mom, I, I, I have to tell you all the all these years I thought you were trying to sabotage me. All of these years I thought you were uh, trying to control me. Um, all these years I thought daddy was the better landing spot. I just wanna tell you that I think you're the most organized, responsible, caring <laughs> woman I know. And oh. I, I said to her, "Are you, what drugs are you on? <laughs> I'm coming to the school. What, what what are you on? And she said, "Mama, I'm not on drugs. I just want to tell you, thank you for raising me the way you did. Thank you for um, insisting on me understanding how my blackness, my femaleness. Thank you for raising me with manners. I love you and I appreciate you." And I said, oh. "Okay, <laughs> I <forget>. it works. <laughs> my parenting works." Um, Great. So- and then the, the other time was when my my trans son was standing in front of 3,600 people. And he said, with clarity, a lot of people think I should change my name from Penelope to a boy name, but I've decided to do what makes me comfortable and what makes me happy. Mm. He said it very, very plainly, like I'm a boy named Penelope, you know, however strange that is to you. That's what it is. Right. Deal
0: with it. it. Confidence. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Oh, Jody, I thank you so much for this time. As I said, we could go on and on and I would love to, but- I will um, end it here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know that all the parents listening really appreciate all of your wisdom. I want them all to go out and get both the born world and the uh, born ready, because even if their children are, are too old for them or, or if, they don't, they don't have, if, if they don't have a children's book um, person in their family, there'll be lots of kids they can figure out who to give it to. So it's really, really important. And congratulations on both of them.
1: Carol, it's it's good to have your friendship. You've always been someone that I can bounce ideas around with um, and your vision, your leadership. I consider you like an older sister, slightly older sister. Um, <laughs> I'll take <laughs> it <I'm> happily. <laughs> and so thank you for having this conversation with me. I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Jody. <laughs> okay. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: I hope everyone listening enjoyed this conversation and that you'll come back for more Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends. For more parenting info and advice, please check out the Ground Control Parenting blog at groundcontrolparenting.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Ground Control Parenting and on LinkedIn under Carol Sutton Lewis. The Ground Control Parenting with Carol Sutton Lewis podcast is a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartMedia. Until the next time, take care and thanks for listening.